out to the T-Mobile special guest line we go. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. He's our friend from the Basketball Insiders. He's Steve Kyler with us here on the big show. Steve, how are you? I am well, fellas. How about you? Hey, we're doing terrific. Uh, we're talking playoff basketball. I mean, what could be better? And we're talking about a series that's even at a game apiece. Give us your thoughts on what you've seen from the Jazz and the Nuggets so far. Well, I mean, boy, it probably starts with Donovan Mitchell. I mean, you think Mike Conley has to go out for the birth of a child. How's this going to go? Okay, will Utah have enough firepower and Donovan Mitchell? So sure I do. Um, it, it's been impressive. I mean, uh, what he has become for that team has been you know, absolutely amazing. And the thing about just Jordan Clarkson, you know, this was a guy that I don't think anybody thought was going to be a difference maker. And not only has he been a difference maker, he's been a catalyst guy. He's been, you know, kind of everything you want in kind of a second scoring option. Um, so, I, I, you know, it, it's impressive for sure. Um, I wasn't sure what we were going to see from the Jazz. There were moments in these seeding games in the bubble where we were going, okay, maybe they're the team to beat. And then maybe they're not. And then I think with Denver, it was like, you know, how deep were they really going to play because they had all of those guys. And then I think you saw in game two of this series, you know, that even with all those guys, they just didn't get enough from others. You know, Jokic was good. Michael Porter was good. Uh, but, you know, you're going to need more than that. Typically in a playoff game, you need four guys in double figures. Five guys usually get it done. Um, so we'll see what game three brings. So we, Jake and I were talking about this earlier do the Denver Nuggets have the defensive uh, firepower, wherewithal, or fortitude to slow down what the what Donovan Mitchell and uh, and, and company are doing? Um, on the surface, no. Um, but again, I'll say this: is they've got some really long players. They've got some very good defensive players. You know, Jeremiah Grant can be one of those guys. He wasn't um, really in the series yet, but, I mean, he's kind of a guy I look at in terms of just the ability to kind of get in your face and challenge a little bit. Um, there is just kind of, you know, there's there's kind of this core at the top, right, with the, you know, the Paul Millsaps, the Michael Porter Jr., Jokic, Murray, and then the next group of guys. This is where they're really – you know, not as good when they get into their bench. And, you know, some of it's because they're playing young guys and asking young guys to play, you know, big minutes. You know, when P.J. Dozier is kind of a guy you're leaning on to play big minutes, you know, that's a lot of inexperience. And I think this is where the Jazz kind of going through those trials and tribulations that they've gone through the last couple of years, I think they're mentally tough enough to kind of handle the ebbs and flows of playoff basketball. And I think this is where Denver is coming up a little bit short. And, and maybe why Denver won't win the series. What have you thought about the matchup with uh, Rudy and Jokic thus far? Um, you know, the, 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 Jokic is such an anomaly just because of, one, his ability to pass the ball, his ability to handle all the way out. But, you know, when you're trading bucket for bucket and your guy's able to get where he wants to go and the other guy's able to get where he wants to go, you know, it's almost a little bit of a push. Um, but I think Rudy's handled, handled Jokic as well as just about anyone, you know, because he can be mobile. He can contest around the basket. But Jokic is such an anomaly in this league that, you know, they call those kind of players unicorns, right? You're seven foot. You can handle. You can shoot to the three. You can drive. You can finish with both hands and uncanny passing ability. That's a tough cover for anyone in the league. But when you think about a defensive player of the year guy in Rudy Gobert, I think that's as good a matchup as you could ask for. 
I don't know in the playoffs whether these series are chess matches or checkers or whatever they are, <laughs> but obviously it, it varies from game to game. Who do you give the advantage to as far as a coaching showdown between Michael Malone and Quinn Snyder? Well, I really like what I've seen out of Quinn Snyder. And again, I'm not trying to play to the Utah crowd there. I've been a big, big Quinn Snyder fan for a while. And I think he is a bit of a difference maker. You know, I think Denver's problem isn't so much the X's and O's because Michael Malone is as good as they come as well. I just don't know that the Denver Nuggets have the experience outside their core guys. And this is where Joe Ingles is a factor. This is where Royce O'Neal's a factor. This is where Jordan Clarkson's a factor. You know, these are guys that have been around the block a little bit. They understand how to play their role. They understand how to be really effective in their role. And they're your X-factor players. And I think Quinn's really good at getting a lot out of X-factor players. When you think about who Joe Ingles really is, you know, undrafted guy that bounced around, nobody thought he had a chance. 32 years old, doesn't look like the athlete, and he's crazy effective in that team. And not only being able to score if you if you leave him uncovered, but an amazing passer and the ability to just move the basketball around and create chaos. And I think those types of players give a coach such the ability to say it doesn't have to be this guy this way where you're having to go to your number one or number two option. You know, Quinn's been very good at getting a lot out of his bench and players you just don't expect that are going to up and play big. Steve Kyler from Basketball Insiders with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, looking around the rest of the league, Steve, uh, we talked to you a couple of weeks ago and uh, about, of course, the tier of favorites, right? And, and most folks out there would think the Lakers, Clippers, and Bucks were the, you know, kind of the, the three favorites by far. They've all lost a playoff game so far, uh, Steve. Is, are any one of those clubs vulnerable or is this just kind of uh, they'll be fine? I do think uh, they'll be fine, but I do think that there's a reality, right, that, you know, the Lakers have not shot the ball well in Orlando. They haven't from the moment they got there. Uh, On the flip side, Portland has, and Damian Lillard, boy, has he been special. You know, so if you're not playing your best game and the other team is playing above their head, meaning about Orlando beating um, Milwaukee, you know, Nikola Vukovic, I mean, he'd been an all-star, but who saw that coming? Um, and again, with guys like James Ennis and you know Gary Clark in the starting lineup, that's just not a lineup you think is going to win a basketball game, let alone a playoff game. But again, when you're playing 20% above your ability and the other team's playing 20% below their ability, now you get winnable upsets. And I think Portland took advantage of game one. I don't know that they'll get game two, but we'll find out. Uh, a little bit later. Um, But Orlando, I think that one was the big surprise because, you know, I thought of all of the teams that were sitting kind of in the chalk position, Milwaukee would be the one that could pick up right where they left off, and that has not been the case in the bubble. I don't think Orlando's going to win the series, but they sure made it interesting. If we press you on it, which one of those favorites do you think is most likely to lose? Um, The Lakers, I think, probably have – at least the recipe in front of them. You've got this red-hot Portland team that's got two superstars, and certainly Carmelo Anthony's been resurgent for them. They've got size and Nurkic. They can bring size from the bench that really can kind of cause problems for Anthony Davis. And then the fact that they don't have any shooting on the floor to speak of, you know, the fact that they haven't figured out how to get, you know, Dion Waiters going or figure out a way to kind of get Kyle Kuzma going a little bit, that it really is 
kind of LeBron and AD, if those guys can't shoot the basketball and they can't find a three-point shot from anybody, that's a recipe for disaster for the Lakers because Portland's been good and they're going to just come at you. And they're playing on borrowed time. I think they get it. You know, you've given them a sense of, of they could win, and now you got to deal with that. So unless the Lakers come out and really push them around physically, it wouldn't surprise me if we come out of tonight with the Lakers down 0-2. You know, Steve, I like the way you said that because sometimes teams sense open opportunities and they gain something that they didn't have before as the thing moves forward. Now, I've seen that happen numerous times. Yeah, you know, it's the concept, and also on the other side of that, right, getting tight. Like, when you start hitting shots, the basket is big. You talk to shooters that go, you know, 10 to 15 from three, and they're like, the basket felt like an ocean. You talk to guys that went one for 15, and they're like, it felt like it was, you know, threading a needle. You know, there's pressure in this, and I think the advantages, like, you know, trying to go into L.A. and winning in front of that crowd and looking over your shoulder and seeing the banners and all the distractions that come with being in L.A. for a week. You don't have that at Disney World. So some of the advantages go away. You're not sleeping in your own bed. You know, some players really do thrive off the crowd, and they're not getting that with the virtual. Um, Can your bench be your source of energy like it's been for Portland? So there's just a whole lot of factors that go into it. But, you know, I tell people a lot, the difference between good and great usually isn't talent. It's your ability to manage the situation and not get too caught up and stay confident in what you do. And when you start to get doubt, Doubt in a playoff game usually means the end of the series. Steve, what's on the line for Brent Brown in Philadelphia? Does he need to win to keep his gig, or does he get a pass because Ben Simmons is out? No, I think he's done regardless. Um, you know, you can't have as much talent, money spent. You know, Elton Brand went all in on this roster. I don't think ownership is ready to give up on Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So the only way they're going to make a substantive change is at coaching. You know, Brett Brown is kind of a holdover now of what are we, three general managers? <laughs> um, it, it's been pretty crazy. And I do think that Elton Brand's going to make a change. Um, you know, look, barring something silly, like they run all the way to the conference finals. I mean, that could probably save him but I think Brett Brown's tenure in Philly's probably over regardless of the outcome just because there's been so much time and then you start to run into when does Joel Embiid say I can't win here like Anthony Davis when does Ben Simmons say I no longer buy in and that's where the the Sixers really are when you kind of get where you're supposed to be one of those teams that goes deep and you don't um, then you start to go guys just don't believe in what you're doing and that becomes a very bad downward spiral so I do think Brett Brown's going to be the next one out. Steve, what do you think of the the, the, the move in the NBA, the emphasis on the three-point shot? Uh, obviously, like Jerry Sloan used to say, didn't mind people taking those shots as long as they made them. But do you think this is uh, the way we're – is this going to continue uh, the momentum in this direction where deep shooters are going to be highly valued and that's going to be the strategy of these teams? Yeah, you know, modern NBA basketball is either a three-point shot or a drive to the basket. The mid-range is all but dead, and the math shows you it's not good basketball. It just isn't. Um, you know, the fact that you've got, you know, routinely now, you know, when when Jerry was coaching, you know, a 40% three-point shooter was kind of a bit of an aberration. Now you've got... 10 or 15 players in the NBA that can easily go 40% from three. Now you're seeing these 
crazy deep threes from Steph Curry and and Trey Young and certainly Damian Lillard. We're pulling up from the logo and you're dropping it in and it changes the game. It means you've got to defend out past the three-point line. Now you're opening up the middle where again brings value to having a big that one can catch and finish and move in traffic pick and roll basketball is back it's no longer isolation you want to get your bigs in a roll situation and let them roll and see if you can pull the three so i don't think it's going anywhere you know i i have started coaching aau basketball over the last couple of years so i go to a lot of coaching clinics and some really smart guys will tell you that this is how you win in in modern basketball is having elite level three-point shooting and getting up a ton of them and you see what Houston's doing you know Houston's trying to get up 53s a game you know if they don't get 53s they had a subpar day and you know think about that I remind people Larry Bird we call him the, one of the greatest shooters ever I think his average was like 4.33s a game you know Steph Curry's over 13 so I don't think it's going to change until the results change and when I can shoot you out of the building that's the better way to win um, and it's also durable three-point shooting is durable those guys will last longer Steve we always appreciate it when you have a few minutes for us thank you very much for jumping on hey fellas anytime be well Back at you. Our friend Steve Kyler from Basketball Insiders with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Gordon, uh, some news here. Mike Conley, the Jazz have released an injury report, and he is probable for tomorrow's game. Uh, so I, from how I understood it, that they just needed to get that final test result back before the game. So I don't know how they could uh, – I don't know what would change to make that probable, probable and not a full go. Yeah. But anyway, probable. So there you go. Did he stub his toe on the way into the uh, into, you know to see the baby or what? What, what, what would well? What I don't would think he's cause actually, some. What's that? I don't think he's actually injured. There, Gordon. Oh, okay. All right. I think That's he's just fine. on the report because there's a doubt he's going to play because that that final test had to clear. So, I, I guess probable means they are confident they'll get it in time. <laughs> Oh, I'm such a literalist, aren't I? You are a bit of a literalist. As long as he doesn't uh, sneeze, cough, or sweat between now and (laughs) tip-off. Yes, okay. Well, that's... Well, uh, you know, however it is, he he controls his own destiny. (laughs) Well, here we go. Here we go. (laughs) He he might be on fire in game three. We'll have to wait Go ahead. Go ahead, Gordon. I know. I know you can't help yourself. Go no, ahead. no, no. I'm going to let it be. You're going to let it be. You're going to let it just sit there. I'm going to follow the advice of Mother Mary and let it be. Okay. All right. You know, because I like it when I can control my own destiny. You know, a destiny <laughs> that's out of control is, is that's a frustrating event. Just keep piling it on. It's so fine. You're, I'm you're just, not going to go for it. Not take take another swing. Go. It's all right. Uh, I would guess we see Mike Conley tomorrow, and I think that that's, that's going to give this Jazz team a boost. You know, Donovan Mitchell, uh, we talked a lot about uh, him scoring 57, and did they waste a 57-point performance? But, I mean, the the truth is he can't do that every game. So he's got to yeah. have help. He's got to have more production uh, from other guys. And he got some other guys going in game two, but he needs all the help he can get. And uh, having another ball handler, as long as he and Joe Ingles don't overlap, which they've done a pretty good job of, of not doing, and then Donovan takes control when the, the, the time, you know, the moment matters the most, 
you know that that could be a rep- recipe for some success. And I, I think you know if he can if if Mike Conley can be twenty and eight like he was at times during the seeding games. I mean, man, that is that would be such a lift. How much do you put? Uh, how much weight do you put into that? The whole idea of you don't want duplication on the floor at the same time. For instance, some people might say, what if Clarkson was on the floor with uh, Donovan Mitchell over long periods of time? Would they would they get in each other's way because they do a, some of the same things? Do you buy into that or what? Yes. Yes, I do. And sometimes someone's skill set is more useful at certain times during the game than others. You know, I – down the stretch, Donovan Mitchell is going to have the ball in his hands, right? So Jordan Clarkson, not being the strongest defender, you know, might not be as useful as he would be otherwise. I mean, I certainly think at critical points during the game, you know, the ball is going to be in his hands. Call him the point guard or whatever, you know, positionless basketball, but it's it's going to be his show. Uh-huh. And it should be. He's the best player on the team. He's He's proven that he can be successful in that role at the most critical time of the biggest games. So, you know, you, you build the rest of your lineup off of that on who's going to complement that. And maybe it's, it's the Jordan Clarkson is on the floor because you need his gravity as a shooter to pull defenders away from Donovan Mitchell or to hit an open shot if they double, you know, but you've got to know, you've got to know who's going to play that role when it matters the most and what everybody else's role has to be. I'll, I'll give you a non-jazz-related uh, overlap. Why I didn't think, and of course I like to highlight things I'm right about, I didn't think Al Horford would be a good fit with Philadelphia because I thought there's a ton of overlap there. Yeah. Because one, uh-huh. ben, ben Simmons can't shoot, so you can guard him with a big. And then you have uh, Al Horford and Joel Embiid, whose games overlap greatly. And then you have to wedge Harris in there somewhere. It's like you've got all the, the three of the same player, and then Ben Simmons, who's unique and going to do nothing but call attention to those three players. Yeah. So I think overlapping has certainly affected that roster. but and, and it has the Jazz with their ball handlers at times. But I think one thing Mike Conley did during the break was he he took a step back and figured out, okay, what, a, what role can I fill? Because I'm not the guy anymore. But I can be the guy of the guy. Or the guy at times, but got to acquiesce to the big dog that that is Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that makes total sense. Did I just suck all the air out of the room? I feel like I just talked for twenty minutes. Gordon, you still no, there? No, uh, you no, I asked, you you with I, me? <laughs> I, asked, I asked you the question. I wanted the answer. It wasn't one of those deals. You ever been around somebody who asks questions and then doesn't listen for the answer? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been there. I wouldn't blame you on that one, though. I, I felt like I got going. I no, apologize. I liked it. I, I, I was very thorough. <laughs> that was good. Okay. All right. More Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.